Welcome to episode number 200 of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. That's right, episode 200. I can't believe it. In this episode, you will be listening to a conversation between myself and Ram Iyer, an engineer with a business degree, an MIT grad who realized that his engineering and business education were inadequate to succeed in business or to attain executive positions in business. It took him a stint as a venture capitalist in Silicon Valley and four startups to figure out that business thinking is the one missing ingredient. He will discuss what business thinking actually is and how you can develop this skill. He will also talk about the techie mindset and how it can help and hurt us. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as an engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. And through this podcast, myself and my co-host, Chris Knutson, try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every episode. People had their doubts about this podcast taking off. But since inception, we've had close to 2 million downloads and have been cited by Forbes as one of the top 15 most inspiring podcasts for professionals. Let me tell you a little bit more about our guest for today, Ram Iyer. Ram has keynoted to groups as large as 2,000 to rave reviews across North America, Europe, and Asia. He has been featured in Money Magazine, New Jersey Biz, and U.S., quoted in Fortune, CFO Magazine, and others. He is the president of the Business Thinking Institute in Princeton and host of Business Thinking Radio and Immigrant Professionals podcast. And he's just a great guy. Couldn't have had a better guest for episode 200. Ron was so engaging. We actually did this in studio and we also have the video version of this on our YouTube channel, which you can check out at youtube.com forward slash engineering careers. Before we get started, this is a free show and our sponsors help us keep it free. So please support them. And now I'd like to recognize our longtime sponsor, PPI, who's been with us for many of these 200 episodes. And I want to just recognize them by asking you to listen up later on in this podcast for my advice on how to advance your career in 2019. I'll be sharing info on where to find practical tips and time-tested resources for your licensure exam. Please don't miss it. Again, episode 200, it's been a long ride here, a long journey. I want to thank all of our listeners for supporting us through 200 episodes. I think that these episodes, with your help, keep getting better because you keep giving us new guest ideas and new themes and strategy ideas. So keep sending them to us. We'll continue to try to modify them and change them and add them as you see fit. I'm also very excited to announce that we're very close to releasing our new assessment tool for engineering professionals. The CMAP assessment, which is the acronym for Current Management Abilities Potential, will measure the potential of an engineer in terms of their management and leadership potential anytime in their career based on the research, the extensive research that we've done and the help that we've received from other leading engineering firms. So more information coming about that soon. But if you're interested in having your firm be part of a case study to put the final touches on the CMAP assessment tool, you can email our office, email Betty, who's leading up this initiative, betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. All right, now let me bring you into our main segment of the episode with a quote that is applicable to today's topic. The quote is from Andrew Jackson, take time to deliberate, but when the time for action arrives, stop thinking and go in. (music) 
All right, now I'd like to welcome Ram Iyer to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Ram is from the Business Thinking Institute. Ram, welcome. Thank you. So I found Ram online. He does a lot of great work, works a lot with techies, which of course are our listeners and viewers. And before we dive into our topic of business thinking, Ram, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your background? I'm a techie at heart. I have an undergrad in mechanical engineering with a focus on jet propulsion. And then I came to the U.S. to study. I have a master's in underwater robotics. Wow. How often do you get that? Right. But I was way ahead of my time. I got a job in the oil industry, which was the only place I could get a job. And when the bottom fell out of the oil industry in the mid-80s, I had to go find another job. Right. So I know how to find industries that are too early. So the next one I found was designing mobile robots, the kind that Amazon uses in warehouses today. Sure. I designed one from scratch back in 89. Wow. It was called the Rammobile. And uh, it had the same problem. The company couldn't sell enough of those. And then I got laid off. Okay. Then I went to another company, which also designed mobile robots. I designed one for Eastman Kodak to handle their photo printing paper. Oh, wow. These are four-foot rolls, all dark, in Rochester. And then that company went bankrupt, too. Right. So there just weren't enough jobs for robotics. So you've had to be creative. and you've yeah, had Then to I said, I need to find the largest company there is because I wanted stability more than anything right. else. And that was the Boeing company. Sure. And at Boeing, I've designed two robots, one to assemble the fuselage of the 777, and then another one to assemble the fuselage of the 757. And then along the way, I went back to grad school a second time. I went to MIT, and then I have a joint degree in engineering and business. That's a perfect lead into our topic for today, which is business thinking. And, you know, Ram, a lot of stuff that we do at the Engineering Management Institute is we try to help engineers, not necessarily just business skills, but like people skills and skills outside of the technical realm, because those are the skills that can help you to be more rounded, right? And so when you and I spoke, you do a lot of talking on business thinking kind of for techies. Talk to us about the concept. See, very simple. So you're a techie if you're watching this. Would you like to make more money? Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you've got a problem. Would you like to be more successful? And the way I define success is, do you have a desire to do better than your peers? If Anthony appears and right. you know, he's average and I'm average too, in my view, I'm not being successful, I'm being average. Right. So do you want to be considered more valuable by your boss, by your company, which will show up in the form of rewards, in the form of plum jobs, they'll give you projects. Uh, you'll get first pick on projects. Right. Would you like some of those things? I wanted all of those things, but I spent most of my early years hoping for these things and saying, how do I get this? How do I get right. this? Nobody really gave me good advice that I could take practically. Then I figured out a very simple thing, and this is human nature. So how, how often have you heard, Anthony, what is the one key to success? What is the one thing I can do to lose 10 pounds? Right. What is the one thing I can do to find a date? People always look for that one thing. Yeah. That's a human flaw. What I figured out is success is achieved by going through a process. Engineers know it very well. You have to do two things, three things, four things, five things. Right. Only then do you achieve. It's never one thing. It's never one thing. I always kept looking for one thing and I never found the one thing. You said one thing, I tried it, didn't work. I say, Anthony doesn't know anything. Right. Then I go to Joe, you know, 
Mary, and Mary says something, it doesn't work. Mary doesn't work. So I wasted my life looking for the one thing. I realized it's a process. Right. It's a combination of things. It's a combination of things. And that's why success is so hard. Success is an and function. Think about computer programming. Yeah. You need to do this and this and this and this and this. Right. Why do people fail? They fail to do one of those or two of those or three of those. So people don't stop and think about that. So some very basic things is business thinking is about the recognition that you have to provide value in order to receive value. So I want a raise. I want more money. I want to get paid more. I want plum jobs. I want, I want, I want. Every one of the I wants is me seeking value from you. Right. Okay. So it's like, Anthony, give me a hundred bucks. Are you reaching for your wallet? Uh, I don't even have a hundred bucks. Okay. So that's a different problem. But see, you're not reaching for the hundred bucks, right? Right. Because you're saying, why would I why give would you a hundred bucks? Why would I give you a hundred bucks? Yeah. See, the, the answer to the why is, I need to provide something of at least a hundred dollars in value or more. So people think purely in terms of, I want, I want, I want, I want. Right. They're not spending time in terms of, what value do I provide? So you have to think about, what is the value I provide? And it's like, well, I show up for work. That's not value. Right. What do you do? You have to do something unique. You have to do something. Remember, success is being better than your peers. Right. So what do you do better than Anthony? What do you do better than Ram? What do you do better than whoever it is? Then very often, they don't know who the customer is. Listen, I just show up here and I just draft. You don't get paid for drafting. You get paid for creating something valuable through drafting. Writing is a means to the end. Oh, I write programs. You could write useless programs. Are you writing valuable programs that work? What comes out of the program? What What are the the, benefits of that? The benefits is the value. So unless you can demonstrate the value and you know who you're doing it for, right? you have a problem. Then very often, and I bet you this is true for many of you, you don't know who the customer is. So you're just doing stuff. If you don't know who the customer is, how do you know you're meeting the customer's need? Right. How do you know that the person who could is compensating you receives value? You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Then people always confuse need and problem. So for example, I usually use Boston as an example because I live there right? okay. in Cambridge. There is a lake that separates Boston from Cambridge, the Charles River. I mean, not lake, a river, Charles River. Mm-hmm. So people say, oh, we've got a traffic problem in Boston. Let's build a tunnel. Let's build a bridge. So right there, the big I dig. like the big dig, right there, I give you two things. One, I told you the problem is a traffic problem in Boston. Who jumped to the solution being a bridge or a tunnel? Somebody else. Most engineers don't stop and say, what problem am I solving? Because if the problem is there's traffic congestion in Boston, maybe you can change the timing of the lights, the signals, and that will fix the problem. Maybe you need a flyover in Back Bay, and that will take care of the problem. But people never stop and say, what's the real problem? They just say, oh, they need a bridge. I'm going to build a bridge. So, like, I can go on. There are a series yeah, no, of... Uh, it's, it's, there are a it's, series I'm, of, I'm sitting here thinking about it because you're right. You need to think through what the problem is before you just jump to solutions. Correct. And you need to know who the customer is. And let's say my customer is the city of Cambridge in this example. But you're my boss. Who do I need to make sure is happy with my work? Not the city of Cambridge. I need to make sure I meet their needs, but I need to make sure I keep you happy. So what are your expectations and needs? So like this, there are, I identified 16 different things you need. 
And if you methodically think it through, and I put it all in a single sheet of paper, I call it the business thinking canvas. You fill out these 16 blocks, and if you follow it, you will immediately become more valuable, you will make more money, you will get more plum assignments, because you'll be the only person thinking about all these things. Right. Because everybody else is looking for I see. the shortcut. Because it's, you're, giving, you're making sure you touch all these different things. Yeah. Because if your boss is happy, you know who your customer is, you know what the customer's problem is, and you're solving the problem. Right. Because the customer needs a new bridge. So let's say that they agreed to spend a half a billion dollars on a bridge. And then the traffic congestion doesn't go away. Right. They're like, Anthony, you screwed up. You made us waste a half a billion dollars. The problem is not Anthony. The problem is Anthony never asked, what's the real problem? So you need to think it through. Yeah. And no, that's what most people don't. It's a good point. And also to that point too, I think there's always multiple solutions. Correct. And you know, when you're an engineering professional, and there's a problem at hand, someone might jump to one solution, but you know, you have to think about all of the costs and risks associated with the different solutions and understand Correct. that it might not be only one, because that's also where I see a lot of engineers run into challenges, because somebody wants a default to a solution that you use most of the time, Correct. it may not be the best solution here. Correct, very true. Right, but again, it's thinking in different ways. See, another very classic thing is mindset. I have the engineer's mindset right. and I'm working hard to make changes. Yeah. Mindset is, think about it in simple terms. It's a set of beliefs that you have, certain rules that you live by. So if I come to you and say, uh, I'd like to uh, change the, uh, the design of the, my house. I want to remodel it. Yeah. And the moment I say that, you're going to say, okay, Ram, let me get out my little questionnaire. You pull it up and say, answer this question, this question, this question. That's the engineering mentality. Right. Which is all fine. Process, but order. that natural thing that you do is because of your training, because of your schooling. Sure. Because of the way you've been trained to think. Right. Okay. So every one of us has a certain mindset. So for example, engineers have this mindset that I'm going to do a damn good job. And my boss, Anthony, he will recognize that I'm really good. He will give me a raise. And the air ends and I don't get a raise. This goddamn boss, he didn't recognize it. Right. How often has that happened to you as a techie? You think you're good, you believe you're good, you believe that your boss will recognize you and reward you for it, and you do not get it, or you don't get as much as you should. Right. It happens all the time. It happened to me very regularly, very regularly. Like I, I designed this yeah. robot at Boeing, 28 million bucks to assemble the entire 777. Section 41, 43, 44, 46, all the way to 46. Those are all the different sections of it. And when it came time to name the program manager, they decided that they wanted to give it to the senior most Boeing person on the team. And they said, Steve will be the program manager, you'll be the sidekick. I didn't know to go lobby for it. I didn't know how to go market right, myself. Right. That's the problem of a techie. Steve was very good at that. He wasn't a good engineer, but he knew how to go lobby. He knew how to lobby. So that's part of the business mindset that you need, you need to, that's business thinking. You have to not only think about, I'm doing a fabulous job, I'm providing value. You need to also stop and say, how do I make sure that I get commensurate or equivalent value what I'm providing? Right, yeah, it's good. And listen, I always tell engineers that if you're wondering how you can improve your career, think about how you can provide more value. Correct, that's step one. Step two, which engineers do miserably at, 
and ensure that you receive equivalent value. Right. Because engineers are hesitant to ask for money. Right. That's not the engineering like, do mentality. Do a great job for your client or for your company, but then you need to be rewarded. Yeah. And then you hope that somebody takes notice. Right. But somebody else is saying, sucker, he's not asking me for compensation. So instead of paying him a $10,000 raise, right. I'm going to give him $2,000 and say, attaboy. Yeah, that's a good point. How many times have you had that happen to you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, it's something that you have these quote unquote annual performance reviews or other opportunities to sit down with your supervisors and think about your career and where it's headed. You know, these are opportunities for you that if you believe you provide good value, you can ask questions like when, you know, I want to get to this level in the company, what's it going to take to get there? How come I'm not there yet? Or right. I'm doing, I feel like I'm providing a lot of value, but my salary doesn't seem where I think it should be in, in the realm of the industry. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, it's a difficult conversation to have, but at the end of the day, like, you know, like Ram said, you want to make more money, you got to be valuable. But Correct. You gotta See, get... it's only difficult if, for example, I, I give talks. Yeah. Okay. If I do not provide value, but I'm reaching for your wallet, I'm stealing from you. Right. Okay. It doesn't matter how uncouth you are. If you're stealing, there's a part of you that doesn't feel right. Right. You have to provide the value. And then it's easy to have that conversation saying, so Anthony, so you said you wanted this done. You know, it's an it's a eight-week project. You wanted it completed in five weeks. I know it's a tough thing. So if I were to help you to do that, right. and of course, you know I'll do a damn good job. I mean, right. you, you know me, right? There's something we can talk about, you know, meeting your expectations will have some reward for me as well. Would that be a reasonable conversation? Yeah, it would be a reasonable conversation. But I think the question I have for you there, Ram, is if I am an engineer working, I do provide value. But that conversation is uncomfortable for me. How do I get over that? Do you think it's confidence or? It's actually a very good question. Very good question. See, the willingness to go have a chat with the boss. So you're my boss in this example, right? right? Willing to have a, the hesitation or the unwillingness to have that chat is because I have got something that's holding me back. Right. I mean, like, do you feel that sometimes you want to go do it, but you don't feel like, I don't know if I want to do that. Mm. What holds you back is your mindset. You have some belief within you. And one belief could be, you don't go toot your own horn. You don't go ask for compensation. You're an engineer. Right. Your job is to do a good job. And the boss will notice and will reward you. That's a belief. That's a rule that you live by. So if you truly want to become more comfortable, you have to go and change that rule. You have to change that belief that's within right. you. Right. You have to reprogram your brain. See, this is a fact, and this is, you know, I'm writing a book on this. Yes. 95% of decisions you make, I make, are done automatically. So like, Anthony, where did you raise your hand? Did your brain say, this is Ram sitting in front of me, Ram put his hand out. Wait a minute, what should I do when he puts his hand out? Wait a minute, I should raise my hand. I you don't think about any of those. It's automatic. Right. That's called the trivium theory. There are three parts of your brain. There's what's called the reptilian brain at the base of your, in your back. Second one called the mammalian brain. And the third one is the cerebral cortex, which we all talk about. Engineers are smart, cerebral cortex. But engineers are often derailed by the reptilian brain, which hmm. sits at the stem. Okay. So I put my hand out and you shake my hand. That's your reptilian brain. You were in, taught. The impulse? The impulse. You were taught to shake my hand when you were a kid below the age of seven. Programmed in. It's programmed in. So what happens is, if the programming that you have 
that's in you is aligned with how you live your life as an adult, good for you. Right. So that's why people who grew up in engineering families tend to be better engineers. People who grow up in business family tend to be better business people. Right, because they're around it. It's getting no, programmed. Now it's programmed for them. Yeah. They just do it automatically. So if you were born in an engineering family, I was born in a business family, and we both do business, who's going to get taken to the cleaners very often? So that's the mindset and the underlying beliefs. So there are ways you can go and change your belief system, which will align it with what you're trying to achieve and therefore become more successful. So right. basically, it's, it's a very logical thing which all engineers would like because right. it was put together by an engineer. Right. <laughs> it's engineered by an engineer. Engineered by an engineer. So you kind of systematically think it through. It's a four by four meter. Right. On a single sheet of paper. So if you have four projects, you fill out four of these. Right. And that will tell you what value you're bringing, who the customer is, what the customer's problem is, what the customer's need is, who is the influencer. In other words, who will compensate you? In this case, the boss. Right. So who's the boss? What deal have you made with the boss? Because you make that deal up front. Right. And then there's also a very clear step where you go to the boss and say, boss, you remember we agreed on this? Let me show you the sheet. Right. Said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You said, I said, I'll get it done in four weeks. I did it in three and a half weeks. So what I'd really like is first dibs on any new projects that come up. Because I, so, I, mean, I beat the schedule. I beat the schedule. Because the most fundamental thing that drives individuals, because ideally we all say we don't do this, we always ask, what's in it for me? This canvas aligns what's in it for me for the individual, what's in it for me for the boss, What's in it for me for the organization that we both work for? What's in it for the customer? If you get all of these aligned, what more do you want? It's like a win-win all the way around. Win-win all the way around because the customer says, you know, it's going to cost a million bucks. He's happy to give a million because you met exactly, you yeah. solved his problem. That's an important point. I, I did a, a session for a company recently, an engineering company on negotiation. And with the same mentality of, you know, looking for win-win scenarios because what happens in negotiation is you know you're my client we're negotiating a contract i get you to pay me more money than you want to so in the moment i feel like i win you lose but in the long term we need to have a relationship right. so if ram walks away feeling like i just i pay more than i want to that's not really a win for me because he's not happy and then the client's not happy so again the same idea here thinking when you get to a problem or a situation looking at all parties involved, mm -hmm. people that are going to use your project, your supervisor, another consultant you're working with, an architect, yourself, your design team. What is a solution that's going to benefit all the parties involved? And that's value, right? Correct. I mean, that's really See, value. Th that is true. And also, one other thing we do in this canvas is, I say, is this is an adequate solution or is this an acceptable solution? So if I came up with, so like going back to the traffic congestion in Boston problem, right. so if I came up with something that reduces the you know, current wait time at this signal, like something, of 20 minutes, and if I got that down to about under two minutes, right. would that be acceptable to you? <laughs> oh, yes, you know, yeah. you get it to two minutes, man, I'm happy. So now I know what your expectations are. I go work towards it because I have the competency I provide the value and then I come back and say, Anthony, I just want you to see this is the latest data. So at that signal, the wait time is a minute and 36 seconds. What are you going to say? Unacceptable? 
hell yes, you know. Yeah. It's 20 minutes and down to minute 36. So once I meet any, now it's very easy because I have right, I yeah. told you what value I will provide. You agreed to it and you said you, uh, you will compensate me. So now I come back to you and say, you do this, I'll give, I'll you, give you this. So I come and ask you. So I get it. No, I'm happy. And you're happy because you you're can go to your boss and say, I brought it on from 20 minutes to yeah. minute and 36 seconds. The customer is happy. The company is happy because they can go and tell the customer, we solved your problem. They'll get repeat business. They'll get the profit margins that they want. Right. Customer's happy. Your company's happy. Boss is happy. I'm happy. It's funny because when you talk to someone who has expertise in something, it sounds very easy. But you make it easier because there's a framework. Right? Yes. You put it into frameworks, which is what I like. Because a lot of times when you're reading stuff about how to think differently or do different things, you can read it. And then you, sometimes it's a little difficult to apply it. But you know what I like about what Ram has done here is he's come up with kind of a process, a framework, which is as engineers, we love that. Yeah. Right. So if there's frameworks or processes that we could use to improve our thinking patterns, you know, our overall value in itself is very valuable because that can really forward the action. See, because you say win-win. What does win mean for you? What does win mean for me? Right. We don't know. You need to figure that out. No, no. But if you don't figure it out, I come back and say, yeah, I'm all done. Right. And you go, this is... That's not what I wanted. That's all. So that, this forces you to talk to the customer right. and also talk to the boss and have that upfront, you negotiate, and when I finish it, I go and say, this is, this is what we agreed to, this is what I have. He said, yes, that's true. That's it, clear expectations. Because see, things like, words like success, win-win, they mean lots of different things to a lot of different people. Because each person has a different mindset. Right. So unless I go and surface that, and kind of get you to tangibly agree to it, I may never meet your expectations. Yeah, that's a good point. You have to be clear on expectations, and I, when I do my training for engineering managers, I say the same thing in terms of when you delegate something to someone. If you give someone a task to do, but you're not clear on what you expect from them and they bring you back something completely different, it's kind of a combination. It's your fault as a manager because you didn't make it clear what you wanted. They also could ask you, like Ram's saying, what your expectations are. So both people can have some culpability, but as a manager, you really got to make your expectations clear if you're expecting something. So it works the same there. So once again, we're talking with Ram Iyer from the Business Thinking Institute. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back, and in our Take Action Today segment, I want to talk a little bit about the book that Ram is writing because it's very interesting. And I also want to wrap this up for you and give you a couple of action steps that you can take. We'll be right back. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of episode number 200. And of course, Ram is going to stay with us and give you some real pointed advice. But before he does that, I do want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, who's been a longtime supporter of the show. Do you feel stuck in your job? Not sure how to move forward? All of us have been there at one point. One surefire way to move up in your career is to get your engineering license. The best place to gather info on licensure and pick from multiple print and digital review options is PPI2Pass.com. PPI has helped over 4 million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. They offer licensure exam prep for the FEPE and SE exams. So no matter where you are on the, your path to career advancement, you can count on PPI support. Take the first step towards making 2019 a great year for you professionally and check out everything PPI offers to make your journey to engineering licensure as smooth as possible. 
Save 15% when you use code EMI15 at checkout. Visit ppi2pass.com to find essential licensure exam prep books, digital review, and helpful tips and advice. That's PPI, the number two, P-A-S-S.com. All right, we're back with Ram Iyer from the Business Thinking Institute. We've talked a lot about business thinking for engineers and techies and really providing value and understanding what other people are expecting in terms of value. But before we wrap this up and give a real action item or a challenge for the listeners and viewers, Ram, let's talk a little bit about the book you're working on because it's a very interesting book focused around the immigrant mindset. Why don't you explain it to our viewers? See, I um, have been a VC. You know, remember I was telling you about what I've done. I right. was a VC, then I've, I'm on my fifth startup now. And uh, my third one did very well. We went and did business in 16 countries. Then the fourth wow. one imploded. It just fell apart. But I was so sure about the concept, I refused to take outside money. I only put in my money because mm. I didn't want to share the ownership right. with anybody else. And when it imploded, I imploded. So I was talking to my friend, uh, Dr. Marshall Goldsmith. He's ranked the number one executive coach in the world. Yeah, I've read some of his books, right? Yeah, he, he wrote uh, What Got You Here, Won't, Won't Get, Get You, you there. there. Yeah, great book. Um, Triggers. He's written 39 books. Wow. So I was with Marshall in his uh, condo in New York, and I was telling him about you know, this thing that happened. He said, Rob, you know, you'll be fine. Don't worry. He, he's a very easy guy. He's a genuinely great human being. And he said, you'll be fine. One, you're an immigrant. Two, you're an Indian. Three, you're an MIT alum. And I said, okay, I get the MIT alum part, but tell me about the others. He says, you guys are wired differently. I said, so what do you mean wired differently? He says, you have a different mindset. He's a PhD in psychology from UCLA. Okay. So he wasn't about to sit down and explain to me mindset. <laughs> He's like, go figure it out. So I'm very curious by nature. So I went and started digging into it. Nobody could really explain that to me. And then I said, who's the world's authority on mindset? Ellen Langer at Harvard. So I sent Ellen an email and I said, Marshall says mindset, you know, can we talk about it? You know, I went to school at the other end of Mass Avenue. Yeah. She goes, sure. I got on the phone, she explained that to me. And then she says, you know, there are other people who are focused on this. And she rattled off a bunch of names. And then one of the big guys in this space is the mind-body connection. He's a guy called Bruce Lipton who wrote a book called The Biology of Belief. And I said, okay, what's the connection? So I picked up the phone, called Bruce Lipton, and I got an hour with him. So long story short, when we go and look at people and say Elon Musk is very successful. Right. Elon Musk wakes up at 6 o'clock. Oh, I too will wake up at 6. <laughs> Elon brushes his teeth from left to right. I too will brush my teeth from left to right. And then you go, wait a minute. How come I'm not as successful as Elon Musk? What we do is we make the mistake of observing behaviors and emulating habits. And there are many books that say if only you emulate the habits of people, you too will become successful. B.S. Because I've tried it. Why does Elon Musk wake up at six? How does he wake up? Does he get up and says, let me hit the snooze button for the fifth time? He just strings up. He's ready to go, yeah. So there are underlying beliefs that he works with, underlying rules that he lives by. If you go and embrace that, you will get the same juice that Elon Musk has. Right. I'm interviewing about 150 immigrant, successful immigrants, ones who are successful or not. And I'm distilling what are the key aspects of the mindset of these people? What are some winning attributes of mindset? What are some losing attributes of mindset? And I'm talking, like I, like I was telling you, I've interviewed the person who uh, 
the father of the Intel Pentium chip, the CIO of the United States, Bjorn Stroustrup, who's uh, the guy who invented the C++ language, Nobel Prize winners. I'm talking to a whole range of people. And I'm distilling from that what are some key beliefs, rules that they live by. Wow. And then help people to surface their own mindset. Remember the programming, you know, shake your hand, yeah. automatic? The beliefs are also baked into you. But you don't know what's driving you. You don't know what your programming is. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a section about how to surface your program. And then three, I've told you the successful mindset. And you say, Ram, I don't want all of those. I want this and this. Right. How do you install it? How do you make it part of your program? So this book will help you to embrace and install certain aspects of the mindset of successful immigrant professionals. That's very interesting. And Ram and I talked about this offline quite a bit. And I was explaining to Ram that my great-grandfather came here from Italy. And I've researched a bit of his background and found out that he you know, had a big drive to succeed. He, well, I mean, he had his family here and he had to support his family of six kids and he came here with essentially nothing. So he actually, I found his draft card and he wrote on it that he was a self-junk dealer. And my grandmother explained to me that he would go to the garbage dump. He would find stuff that was still usable and he would sell it. And he had to because he had to come home that night with food. And understanding some of those things, whether you're an immigrant or, you know, somewhere along the line, there's an immigrant in your family that came here. It can be very motivating for someone. Just the story alone, just understanding that. But it'll be very interesting to see Ram's, what he distills from that. Because like he said, you can get all these people and have all these interviews and gather the information. And then again, like we talked about earlier, you could distill it into some kind of a guideline or framework that, you know, someone can pick up the book and read and then act on it. Good. See, one key thing here, and this is perhaps very important. This is not useful only for immigrants. It's useful for everybody. Right. See, there's a certain way that Elon Musk looks at the world, or Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google, or Satya Narela, CEO of Microsoft. Right. What's different about these guys? They look at the world a little differently. If you two learn to look at the world differently, you don't have to be an immigrant. Your family could have been here for the last 10 generations, or you could be here for thousands of years. Right. You two can embrace that mindset because mindset is simply a set of beliefs, rules, values. Right. So this can benefit everybody. So whether you're an individual looking to become better, a better version of yourself, or a community trying to make the community better and more vibrant, or a business trying to become more immigrant thinking-like, right. or a whole country saying we want to be more innovative. I'll give you a simple example. One of the things that most bosses, I'm sure that each one of you has been told this by your boss, think out of the box. Have you heard that before? Immigrants are automatically from outside the box. They were never in the box. Right. What do most people and businesses do with immigrants? you got to fit in. Think about it differently. Anthony is an outsider. You want him to think outside the box. Wait a minute. He's already He's out already of the outside box. Outside the box. He has so use him as a, an asset right. to think out of the box and combine it with the locals who know how to think inside the box. And say, you know what, we've tried this, this hasn't worked, but you know what, that's a good idea. You put these two together, immigrants and non-immigrants together, they make a bloody winning combination. Oh, yeah. Great combination. So that's the benefit of the book. Mm -hmm. It'll come out in early 2020. All right, so let's get back now and wrap up our topic about business thinking. And we're kind of just getting into it here with this thinking outside the box idea. But Ram talked about, you know, as engineers and technical professionals, we need to really think kind of more holistically and looking at all the parties involved, right? So we want to leave you with something very specifically 
from this interview that you can take and use. And what I had thought would be a good thing, you know, thinking as an engineer myself is what you mentioned, Ram, about really challenging our listeners and viewers to determine what the word value means to all parties involved on a project. See, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. And very often you don't know who the beholder is. So you say, you know, I want a raise or I want better projects or, uh, you know, I want a promotion, whatever it is right. you want, right? So I challenge you and engineers are automatically good at this. It's just that you don't think this way. So you're doing something, you say, who is this for? Who is the client? Then ask the client two questions. What's your problem? What is your need? Usually they tell you what their need is. They don't necessarily tell you what the problem is. Right. If you figure out the problem, you may come up with a different solution or multiple solutions that they would love. See, this goes back to the example of Steve Jobs. Don't ask customers what they need. Give them what they need. Remember the thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's how he designs the iPhone, right. etc. He made this distinction. Okay. Mm. Next, the boss is the one who's going to influence whether I get a promotion or get plum jobs or not. Go and talk to the boss and say, what are your expectations? What would be a win for you? What do I need to do? What kind of value do I need to provide in order for you to be happy with me and reward me? And make it explicit. Then go and look within yourself. You already know this. What do I do? I need to leave at 5 o'clock or I only work from 9 to 5. This message is not for you. You can turn it off. If you're serious about increasing your value and earning more and being more successful than your peers, question the value that you provide and say, how can I best solve the customer's problem and keep my boss happy? And the boss will make sure that whatever I do is aligned with what the company needs. See, if you can get the customer, the company, the boss, and yourself aligned, you will have a better career, you will make more money, you'll get more plum jobs, and you'll get promotions. Unless, of course, you don't want it. All right, and there you have it. That's a challenge for you to do that. You know, again, it's just thinking differently, um, thinking more holistically all the way around the table and understanding value as each person <laughs> defines yes. it, which is the key thing. So once again, Ram Iyer, Ram, thank you so much for spending some time on the Absolutely. Engineering Career Coach podcast with us. Thank you. Thank and, you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. And until next time, we hope that you use this and we hope that you continue to engineer your own success. Yeah, if you'd like to reach out to me, just send me an email at ram, R-A-M, at businessthinking.com. There you have it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the 200th episode of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Once again, thank you for all of your support along the way with this show. There's been ups and downs, but overall, I know for a fact that we've helped many engineers and technical professionals succeed in their careers, and I'm really excited about that. Remember, this episode's also on our YouTube channel in video form at youtube.com forward slash engineering careers. I also want to let you know that we've added another session of our Engineering Management Accelerator online remote workshop in May. It'll run mid-May to the end of June, finish you up just before July 4th. You could check that out at engineertomanager.com. That's engineertomanager.com. And lastly, just a reminder that our assessment that we've been working on to help you understand your potential as an engineering manager and leader at this point in time, the current management abilities potential assessment will also be out very soon, probably in the fall, but we are doing a case study now. And if your company wants to be involved in this groundbreaking research and case study, please email our office, email Betty at Betty at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. 
Again, thank you for all your support and please leave your comments and or questions in the comments section on our website in the show notes, which you can find at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Look for the Tech Podcast episode 200. And again, thank you for all your support. We really do appreciate it. And I look forward to doing another 200 episodes. Until next time, I wish you all the best in your engineering career endeavors. The strategies that you heard in this episode will be of no use to you unless you take action and start to implement them in your career immediately. To help you do that, we have designed a system that you can use at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. It combines live monthly webinars with PDHs, plus a private forum giving you access to coaches and premium content focused on helping you build your management and leadership skills. Join us for our next live webinar at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org and we'll help you engineer your own success.